Hey, Karen, what's shaking? Hi, Brian. Oh, such a good day today. How are you, my friend? A great day. The sun is shining. Great weekend. And uh, very happy that we have this incredible guest today, a titan in the natural hair world. And uh, we're just so privileged to have her. And, um, and she's a friend. Her. And she is a pioneer. And she's a vet in the industry and she is like queen. I just, you know, we circulate around the same group of people and, and now we finally have Miss Diane C. Bailey on the show, right? Am yes. I right? Welcome, Diane. Hi. You guys are so funny. <laughs> we crack it up. <laughs> So We're very, very happy. Today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm awesome today. Yeah, it's a great day. It's Monday. I feel really good. I'm um, getting ready to work on uh, another event for the Natural Hair Industry Convention. Um, but it's a virtual event, so I have some things to do for that today. And um, I'm going to be doing some writing. Um, so I'm good. And talking to you guys is always awesome. Great. Good. So we've had guests uh, in the past, uh, Arlette Pender, Susan Peterkin, and uh, some other guests. And yes. it always, the conversation always circles around Diane C. Bailey somehow. Is it? Really? Oh yeah. And so it's so wonderful to have you here and we want to hear your story. And uh, okay. yeah, share with our guests your inspiring tales. Okay. Well, I am um, Diane C. Bailey, um, also known as the Natural Hair Authority. Um, I am the CEO of Emerge, which is the Natural Beauty Industry Alliance, which is like a collective um, network um, 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 alliance. Um, I'm also 40 years in the industry as a thought leader. Um, I also promote textured hair inclusion as an activist, I'm a master pioneer, as you said, I'm an author and a contributing um, content writer for magazines, an educator, a brand ambassador, and an event planner. So I have a lot of jobs. You wear a lot of hats. <laughs> yes, I do. And if you want to get something done, give it to a busy person. Yeah, that's right. And you know, the, the thing about it is all of these things I love, love, love. There's not one over the other. I kind of kind of blend them together to make this um, kind of a movement so I can move forward. And then, you know, my, my whole agenda around um, natural hair, and, and Karen, you know this, um, is, you know, to normalize natural hair and braiding and locks, to normalize it across the board so that, you know, people can live their life authentically People can live their life with their truth um, and not have to, um, you know, um, dismiss themselves and, and continue the, the hair trauma or the hair identity around the trauma of hair um, that's not being appreciated and being um, discriminated against around, around the country and around the world. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's my job. There's, there's, <clears throat> there's compromise and then there's compromise that is not compromising. Like right. it's part of your identity, it is part of your history, your, your culture, 
And <clears throat> this is the message that we're trying to spread that it's okay to have locks. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are in the right. world, but to understand that everybody comes from a different place, a different purpose, a different message that they, you know, reason that they have their lock journey. It's personal. Right, exactly. And also too, nobody fits in this, you know, confined beauty that, you know, we have um, a, a European aesthetic. No one really fits, you know, um, you know, in America, you know, everyone wants to be blonde, blonde, blonde. So they're spending lots of hundreds and thousands of dollars bleaching their hair, lightening their hair, because that's the aesthetic. That's the, that's the marketing um, of, of, of beauty, you know, and this is a standard of beauty and we all should, you know, rise to the occasion of this beauty, but uh, women of color cannot rise to that occasion. So where do they fit in the spectrum? Well, they fit on the lower end of the spectrum. And um, because of that, and this is historical, because of that, um, we have been, you know, um, kind of diminished and demeaned and belittled and ostracized and penalized for something that we are born with. And so just like our skin color has um, the presidents and needed to be recognized as a human um, attribute and not something that is negative, our hair is the same thing. It's just an attribute and it shouldn't be critiqued or demeaned because it doesn't fit your standard. Right, exactly. Exactly, yeah. that's why we have you on the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, Diane, I've been in the industry for 35 years. Yes. And um, I, I think that things are starting to change a little bit. I think organizations like yours and people like you that are thought leaders and you're really moving the needle on a lot of well, also stuff. too, also too, what's happening, you know, social media has given a, a, you know, sped up communication, goes directly into the homes of people who um, are being ostracized. I mean, there was so many incidents in America, um, in you know, states like Virginia and New York, um, where people have been sued because of their racial bias um, based on hair texture and typing, and those people have won the lawsuit. And the person who was perpetrating them had to pay a penance and a penalty because of it. And so right now, one of the things I'm doing as an activist uh, is to support the Crown Act. And the Crown Act is uh, a synonym for uh, creating a respectful and open world for natural hair. And so far, we have eight states that have um, uh, taken on this um, agenda and made it a law to discriminate against anyone, man or woman, um, based on hair type or texture or hairstyle, um, that's, which includes locks, um, they will be um, penalized for that and, and, and financially burdened. And, and in some cases, um, you know, they have to pay a fine. They have to pay the person they violated and they have to pay a fine to, this, to the city. Yeah, so enough of the nonsense, okay, people? <laughs> yeah. Stop it. Yeah. So how many times has that actually happened? Do you know? Is there information out there about how many people well, have I, actually I, I mean, uh, throughout the years, it's endless numbers. Some oh. are unaccounted because people just accepted um, the behavior as a, as the standard. I mean, we conform to a standard of beauty so we could survive. We conform to a standard of beauty 
so that we could live. We conform to a standard of beauty so that our children could live well. I mean, there are all types of reasons why we conform to a standard of beauty that, so they made relaxers and the relaxers allowed us to conform to a, a standard of straight hair, even though that standard provided health issues. They found carcinogens in the relaxers. They found other toxins in, in some of the um, hair um, structured, motiv motivating it to be straight. So um, people like myself, 1982, 83, I opened a jar of relaxer and the, the smell of it, I could just smell the disgustingness of it. And I said, there's no way I'm gonna live my life smelling this stuff every day of my life, right? So I was committed not to do that. And so I, I, I got my cosmetology license in 1981 and um, that was it. I, 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 I couldn't do it. I could not do the relaxer. So what was I supposed to do? Well, braiding was my forte. You know, I loved it. I, I met some sisters um, from Africa and Spain when I went to Spain and they showed me how to do locks. And then I met another sister in Chicago who showed me how to do locks. And then, you know, and so I just started meeting people and engaging and learning and we started exchanging information uh, we started an organization called the International Braiders Network, and in 1992, uh, you know, and that's when we started really engaging each other, and we found each other from all over the country. So it started then. Wow! So well before social media, well way before social internet. media, no so social internet media at all. Right? It was because you know, telephone, telegraph, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> and so we started, you know, exchanging information, exchanging numbers. Um, then, then we created another that lasted a few years and people started breaking off and doing different things. And we started another organization called the International um, Braiders Network. And um, I was the VP of that. Um, Tawani Kennard was the you know, president and Deborah Hare Bay was a few of us. Um, and that's when we went to the state of New York to lobby for a natural hair license. And we got that license in 1994. And so um, that license um, allowed us to, and it wasn't what, we, it wasn't the panacea we wanted. It wasn't exactly as we had um, um, positioned it to be, but it was a, a, a close facsimile of what we, what we can start, what we see today. Of course, um, it took a minute. And that's when I got the offer to write a book. Because now we have a license, how are we going to teach it? Right. 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 So that's, that's so, so Milady Publishing came to me um, and asked me to write it. And I said, of course. And, um, and that was the beginning. That was the first book. And then I, once social media came, um, about 2000, I saw things happening around 2000. To 2003, and I went back to my lady and I wrote a proposal and said, "Listen, you need to update this book. You know, mm -hmm. the language has changed. There's a whole consumer-based engagement now. You know, let's you know, let's do it." And so that's how I got the second book. Can we see it, Karen? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, lady. Natural hair care and braiding, oh. beautiful. 
Yeah. Wealth it's a, information. Wealth information. And I'm I'm working, I'm gonna be working on another book soon. But this is this is the, the holy grail right now for um, entry level natural hair people. And it's a great reference guide. Mm -hmm. How can people get a hold of this? Oh, they can just go to Amazon, put in Diane oh, C. Bailey. Yeah, put in Diane C. Bailey and it'll come right up. Amazing. I'm Amazon. Just show, I'm just gonna show everybody again, just a close up of the book so they can yeah. really get a, a so, so my lady actually asked you to make, to write the original book for natural hair. Yes, they, um, I was appointed to um, the state as an advisor for the state on the licensing. So I would go up, um, you know, once every other month or so and um, sit with the um, board of uh, cosmetology and some of their um, elders who were all white, of course. So um, they needed somebody to come up there and tell them what it is, what it was. So I um, was one of the advisors appointed. And then I, I brought in, you know, of course, my posse to, um, to, so that we can engage and answer questions and so forth and so on. So once that happened um, and they knew I was an authority um, on the, with information and not just an authority resources, um, that's when Milady came and asked me to, to do it, yes. So let me ask you this, why is it not available in hair schools all over North America and beyond? Well, be, like, well, well you gotta realize something. Um, most schools don't teach natural hair. They teach, for the, they teach for the test. They teach for the license. If, you're in the, the, if the test doesn't have a question on natural hair, they're not teaching it. So that's why we, are, we have a campaign called um, Don't Skip Chapter 18. And that's the chapter with natural hair and braiding in it because it's not on the test. They don't teach it. Right, right, right. Okay, so I'm just trying to um, think about when I went to school, I went to cosmetology school in Toronto, Canada uh, in 1997. Um, <clears throat> I took my test in 99. And I, I very much specifically remember reading the chapter of natural hair and being like, where's the rest of it? Where, where are we, where are we, where's the mannequin heads to learn this? Where are we learning? Right. Nothing. Um, and, 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 and that was 1999, 1997 and still in 2021, um, they put it in, right. They put it, they put a chapter in there, of course, but if it's not on the exam, the schools are not required to teach it. Not required. So that's the, that's the quant that's where we're at right now, trying to get them to, you know, put in a few questions in the exam. But again, in America, Every state has its own jurisdiction. Every state has its own state board. Every state has its own commission. So we would have to go state by state by state by state. Mm -hmm. That's what Canada I Canada is a whole other country, right? And we go province by province as well. So <clears throat> this is my ask to the people in Ontario, the Allied Beauty Association and the provincial government to, to incorporate this, at least talk about it, mention it because when you go to cosmetology school, you expect to learn all hair. It, it doesn't matter. It's about hair. <laughs> yeah, but this is the thing. You have to realize something. Um, 
and this is not no fault of their own. It's part, it's a it's system, it's systematic racism. Yeah. So it's almost like people are just blinded to the fact that there are other aesthetics that have value. They just don't see it. They have no cognitive, it's not, it's not a thought. It's not part of their processing. And so our job, your job, you know, is to, um, with, you know, shows like this is to bring awareness, um, go out into the community and start talking about it. As soon as we're able to, you know, um, you should be going to the high schools, you should be going to colleges, you should be going to universities and, you know, bringing, bringing them the information around, you know, uh, normalizing natural, naturally textured hair and locks and braids and things like that. No one's going to give you the gift. The box is not, you know, they're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. If, unless you bring it to their attention, why should they? Because not, in most cases, they're not aware. It's an, it doesn't even exist to them. They have no knowledge. They're looking at you like, what language are you speaking? Mm-hmm. I went to a uh, one of my clients. Well, so, okay, long story short, the New York City Human Rights Commission hired me to teach one of their offenders. She lost her case. She was sued by five of her staff members for being racial, having racial discrimination based on hair. She told all her staff, especially the black ones, they had to wear their hair up. They couldn't wear their hair out. They couldn't wear their hair down. Um, And one girl had locks and another girl had braids. Um, Another sister, she was Latina, so she had really curly hair. And she wanted all, everybody to wear their hair up and back, you know, like, and um, they sued her and they won. And because of that, the, one of her, you know, um, things that she had to do to make amends for her wrong was 36 hours of, uh, of, of classes with me. <laughs> that was funny. So, yeah. Incredible. Exactly. So I had to kind of retrain her how to think about beauty um, from, a, from a, a woman of color. So the first um, uh, three weeks, um, I brought in eight middle school girls with all kinds of hair types and textures and brought them to Madison Avenue, you know, um, exclusive salon, awesome salon. When you go in there, you know, it's Madison between uh, uh, Madison and Central Park. So it's exclusively Caucasian white. Um, And here you go, some chocolate girls from the hood going up to a beautiful space like that. So it was a great experience for the girls. And it was a great experience for the, um, the woman who owned the salon because she got to hear directly from these young women about their hair and how they feel and the transition they had to make from feeling you know, um, not attractive because there was nothing to affirm them to feeling better about themselves at 16, 17, of course. Um, the high school girls were even more profound, more articulate um, around um, hair discrimination and feeling um, the trauma, hair trauma around not being able to uh, um, you know, conform to a standard that, that is not their own. Um, so we did collages. Um, I had them cut out pictures for magazines and tell their story, um, whether, you know, how they felt before, how they feel now, or how they're going to feel in the future. And those collages were so telling and so opening and so warm. 
I also took them to the Schomburg Library, which is a library up in Harlem where it goes over Black history. It's a library, but it is specifically around Black history. And so we went there and I was able to show them, um, you know, the Middle Passage. I was able to talk about Jim Crow. They didn't even know what Jim Crow was. They were like, what are you talking about? I thought there was two kinds of, uh, they thought it was two types of slavery. I was like, excuse me? You think there's two types of slavery? Oh, really? What, what do you mean? Well, you know, the, the, the slavery, you know, where, you know, um, one was in the South and one was in the North. And I was wow. like, uh-huh. I said, really? <laughs> I said, really? This is when I knew I had to take them to the Schomburg. I said, really? I said, no, one type of slavery. However, imagine somebody put you in a box, right? Mm -hmm. and told you, you had to stay in that box forever. And then they took you out of that box and put you in a bigger box. It's still a box. It's still a box. It's still a box. So then she got it, then she got it. So yeah, they, they, they took you out of slavery, which was a smaller box, and they put you in a slightly larger box, and which was called- the language. Change the language, go. my friend. Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. So that bigger box, was another 103 years of Jim Crow, where Blacks lived here and were confined to this area and confined to this type of work and confined and confined, and whites lived over here and had plush green grass and great food, and they were able to flourish. And so that's when she, the light bell went off. And, I, and, and then how do you connect all of that with hair? How does that all bridge together around self-care and people caring about themselves and the trauma that they had around that. So just bringing it back. So it was a great opportunity for me to see it and for them to experience it as well. Oh my gosh, what a fantastic story. I am so glad you shared that with us. Oh, and to have a video of that education that you did would be incredible. Can you it imagine? would be incredible. I wish I had the permission to do that. Oh. Um, I wish I did. I did I not get the permission, but I'm going to do it again because, you know, that that platform showed me how the lack of education um, feeds prejudice. The mm. lack of education, you know, feeds right, the systematic racism to the highest level. Mm -hmm. And as long as we stay uh, uneducated, um, it's almost like you can't fault people from being racist because the knowledge was was denied them. Mm -hmm. So this is their normal. Mm -hmm. They don't even understand what you're talking about. It's like they have no idea until we bring it to them in a platter. This is what it is. And that's why Black Lives Matter made such a great um, statement because it was, it was bringing it right to them, things that they were able to ignore, they could not ignore because it, it was, and it was unpleasant and it was uncomfortable, but it elevated everyone's awareness. And that's what's important. That's what it's about, awareness. And yes. actually, Karen and I, when we started talking about Noggin Oil, our brand, mm -hmm. or Section to Hair, that was one of the things that really stood out for us. It's, you know, a black man and a white woman putting this product out 
in a way, it's sort of emblematic of the change yes. that needs to happen, right? Yes. And, and it's kind of part of our platform. We don't talk a lot about it, but um, I think that's well, what you needs said, to happen. Don't, yeah, like, don't shy away from it. Like, don't feel like you can't say it. Don't feel like the obvious is not so obvious. Like, you need to use that platform so that people can get uncomfortable. Because until people are uncomfortable, they're not going to change. Mm-hmm. Why should they? They're comfortable. Mm-hmm. Would I change if I was comfortable? Exactly. Right. No, right. If this, why would I put a shoe on that's painful? No, I want to wear a comfortable shoe, right? So, <laughs> you right. had to throw in the shoe reference, Diane. <laughs> I had to throw in the shoe. Come on, throw the shoe in there. But, but yeah. So I'm gonna walk a longer journey in a comfortable shoe. I'm gonna walk a longer journey, and that's my goal, right? So. Yes, I'm gonna make you, I'm gonna force some people to put on that uncomfortable shoe, I'm sorry. And, at, and in the beginning, it's gonna be a little tight and you're gonna be like, oh, I don't know, this shoe is not right. Okay, maybe it's not right today, but let's do it again tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And then all of a sudden, it makes sense. It feels right, it's comfortable. And then you can embrace it and then you can walk a long, long mile, right? So wow. that's, that's my mission. That is a wonderful analogy. Incredible. <laughs> so good. And on Great. that so note, yes. <laughs> you go. We are going to break for a quick little commercial and we'll be right back. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Karen, your hair looks super cool today, man. Oh, What's going on? Thanks, Brian. I have noggin oil to thank. What is noggin oil? You don't know what noggin oil is? I have no. a cleanser, a toner, and a moisturizer for my scalp. And those three little roller balls look very cute. What are they? Great question, Brian. We have Replenish, which is like a light moisturizer for your noggin. We have the Chill, which is for alleviating tension and discomfort to the scalp, especially during tightening services for locks or braids. And Glow is the multi-carrier treatment oil, and it's more of your heavy-duty moisturizer for the noggin. Great for these winter months and great for extra dry scalp. For parted hairstyles, sectioned hair. Locks, braids, hair extensions, weaves, twists, anything. Amazing, looks beautiful and minimal and healthy. We return you now to your regularly scheduled program. And we're back. (laughs) (laughs) And Karen has a question, so Karen. Um, When we were talking before the break about how natural hair really isn't talked about in cosmetology school, what is, what's the next step, right? Like how does this get at least talked about? You know, how do we have this? Okay, it's one step to get it in the tests, but let's be honest, you know, with the new generation, the young generation, there is a lot more interracial uh, students coming into class, into the classroom. There's more representation. And so, you know, this should be as equal as the Milady cosmetology. Right. It should just be one. So what's, yeah. what's the next step? What's there? So I think that one of the things that will help um, move the process along to activate um, more learning around natural hair 
is just start having more conversation outside of our immediate zone. Like you have to go in spaces and places where they're not doing it. Like they have no knowledge of it, um, you know, and volunteer to do it, you know, um, to say, listen, um, I want to spend one hour with the fifth grade. I want to spend one hour with your graduating students. I want to spend one hour um, letting people know that um, there's a standard of beauty um, that can be duplicated. And, you know, um, it is a standard that has been around for hundreds and hundreds of years, and we've modified it so that it can work for us. Like in the book, there are um, at least 60 herbs that you can use around, you know, conditioning and, and, and grooming your hair. Um, it talks about um, scalp disorders and diseases and some of the popular ones like traction alopecia that is specifically for people who wear braids and have locks and do a lot of pulling on their hair because at this point in America, um, traction alopecia is epidemic. Mm -hmm. Epidemic. And that is because people are doing way too much to their hair, way too much pulling. Um, you know, they have these pristine locks, locks that are so tight and wrapped around um, and they wear it in a bun for weeks at end and it's creating uh, a lot of trauma and, and pulling on the scalp. And so there's a lot to talk about. I mean, if you're just talking to young girls, you can talk about the Beyonce's and the Carly B's and that type of aesthetic versus an aesthetic that is more African-based and more subtle and how those two kind of join together. I mean, Beyonce did a video, a video uh, last year. Um, I, I forgot the, the title of it, but it was all based in Africa. Mm -hmm. And some of the hairstyles had uh, African traditional looks to it. And so they're incorporating these beautiful African tribal looks and making them more modern, more you know, digestible as it were, and um, mainstream. So yeah, it's a lot of work, but you know, um, even if you did something in your salon once a month mm -hmm. for one hour. You know what, Karen? We should do something and put it out digitally. Mm -hmm. Like send it to the schools, send it to the people in the government that are making the decisions. And then that way we're, we're hitting way more people and you know, hopefully that having would be a bigger awesome. impact. Like e exactly, like even if you said, you're gonna go to another uh, a school and record it and then take that recording and then send it out. Yeah. Um, it, shows, it shows your commitment to the community, one. Uh, it, it gives you a vast number of people to reach at, at that time. And you're educating the establishment because they have no clue. Yeah. They're too far removed, you know, it's a whole generation difference of, of, of priorities, you know? Well, I've actually already been speaking at a couple of schools, but then COVID happened and things shut down and yeah, and they reached out to me and, and said, we, 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 we want to learn about locks. So of course, you know, I'm talking about locks. I'm in Toronto. Can you hear that? <laughs> That's okay. It's all good. Uh, I, you know, for them to reach out to me and, and ask me about teaching the students about locks and my business and my career and how I, you know, came to how it all came to be. I definitely incorporate, you know, the natural hair uh, platform, you know, educating people about natural hair, because it's, it's not just about 
me doing locks. I think they brought me there sort of as a as a business professional. How did I how did I specialize in this as a business? Yes. But it's a it's a perfect opportunity for me to embellish on that how I was inspired and really the importance of 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 locks to the black community and what that really means in their identity. So. Yes, exactly, exactly. And so it's that's important. So yeah, I mean, that's what I've been doing. Um, I do it with the Girl Scouts. I go, you know, twice a year, I was going to the Girl Scouts when, when I was with Shea Moisture and giving out products and, you know, for an hour, you know, cause the Girl Scouts, they have to get those badges. So um, I would be one of the badges, like, um, you know, talking about self-care. And so they would get a self-care badge, you know? Uh, um, so it's really cute, you know? And it connects to another generation. Um, you're able to talk to them and, and get them to understand that, you know, their um, the hair, the, they're fine just the way they are, especially when you go to middle schools, they, you know, that, that whole quandary of being a middle school, you know, 11, 12, 13 year old, um, and trying to fit in. And so um, I go there to tell them, you're fine, you fit in fine, just, you know, rock what you got, you know? And, uh, and they're like, really? And I'm like, really? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, don't underestimate the impact of doing little things, doing little things. And uh, Diane, you also mentioned uh, hair relaxers and the toxicity, how you couldn't handle it. Yes. Um, in 1993, I developed contact dermatitis on my hands because of perm solution. Wow. So the perm solution and the neutralizer. I stopped doing perms in the salon. Like we just completely stopped cold turkey in yeah. 1983. And yeah. so my, my whole education around health and uh, healthy ingredients, you touched on that on, in the book, the Milady yes. book, you know, the herbal uh, yes. aspect and remedies and stuff like that. So I'm a hundred percent on that too. Yeah. I, I mean, I and it's just, and if you know your journey, if you know you love hair and you love people, um, and then you know for a fact that when you look at the back label, you know, it's it's toxic and how it affects you. I mean, I didn't I never had a dermatitis from it, but the smell of it was so pungent. Mm -hmm. that there is no way I was going to live my life smelling that mess every day of my life. And I love doing hair, and I, but I just couldn't do it. And I remember telling my mother, I'm not doing any more relaxers and I'm only going to do natural hair. And my mother was like, what are you talking about? No one's going to pay you for nappy hair. That's what she said. <laughs> my own mother. Okay? I can totally hear that. <laughs> and I said to her, I don't care. And then she said to me, well, you know, nappy hair is not sexy. Wow. I, my own mother. Mm -hmm. And I said to her- Because it's all put into her head. This is how she- ingrained. This is- This, this is, is what I'm saying. Generational yeah. trauma. That was so when she was showing me generational trauma. I experienced it myself. And I said to her, I don't care. Mm -hmm. I don't care what they think. I don't care who thinks it's not cool, sexy, whatever. I'm going to make it sexy. I'm going to make it. You're going to walk the Diane Bailey path. That's right. I'm going to make it sexy. And that's what I did. I worked out, you know, I did it. I, I added extensions. I 
you know, groom locks. And I, I, we made it sexy. We made it alluring. We made it, you know, so that people can see that because someone's hair has texture to it, it doesn't give it less appeal. Come on. Mm -hmm. And so, um, of course, my mother was proud of me because she eventually went natural herself. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, and so one of the things that I do ask when I go out into, you know, to different places, um, and you guys can use this too, um, whenever I ask people, who hurt you when you went natural? Who hurt you when you decided you were going to lock your hair? Who said something negative to you or, um, or disapproved? of the fact that you decided you were not gonna to conform to a standard of beauty that was not yours. You are not gonna to conform to that. You're gonna to conform to something else. And it gets people to think. Um, I remember I was on a cruise with Shea Moisture and I put that question out there to the audience and several people raised their hands and they were telling me my mother, my sister, you know, at my job in different places like that. And I asked one woman, I walked over to her with the mic and she told me no one. I said, okay, I'll come back to you. I'll get back to you. I'll get back to you. Okay, just, I'll, I'll be back. I'll be back. <laughs> so then I went around the room again and I was talking to different people. And then I went back to her again. I said, so you had a minute to think, who hurt you when you went natural? And then she said, yeah, my father. With tears in her eyes, with tears. Because it is emotional, but it is so, um, it is so, uh, what's the word when you release something? It is so healing. It is so, you know, to, to, to acknowledge it, to, to, to recognize it, to see that the things that you see about yourself, you didn't plant that into yourself. Someone planted it in you mm -hmm. because it was planted in them and so on and so on. So this is generational, mm -hmm. intergenerational trauma that we are talking about. And so um, once you get that, then you have to, then you can acknowledge it, right? That the grandmother said it, her grandmother said it, and then her grandmother said it. So it's not your fault that you've been programmed to believe and think that your natural hair is not attractive. It was part of the system. It was systemized. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, that's the conversation. Bigger than anything, that self-care and self-love has been denied you through a system. If we can get just past that, that would be amazing because people will start to heal and start to love themselves and care for themselves in a different way. I wanna to touch on a little bit about the geographic, uh, the conversation geographically speaking, um, because obviously the history in the United States is different than the history in Canada is the different is the history different in every country around the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and of course there's systemic racism in it shows up differently in different parts of the world. And so can you comment on on this systemic racism versus outside of the United States? Um basically uh uh the European um uh, or we call them the colonizers as they are now, um, went all over the world with the same cognitive, dismissive, abusive behavior. Mm -hmm. So whether it was South Africa or South America with Brazil, Argentina, Portugal, Jamaica, uh, uh, St. Thomas, Canada, New York, those aesthetics, those standards 
kind of transcend location because mm -hmm. they went around the world with this concept that they their 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 beauty was greater than anyone's and that and they took over people's culture they diminished lots of culture um the you know um, the transatlantic uh passage was the biggest example of that um and stripping people of their identity stripping people of their traditions and rights and not giving them the ability to even talk to one another. Um, so that communication was like denied. So the difference is this, the difference is only how it manifests itself throughout the world. It manifests itself differently in many places, but it was the same abuse. It was the same denial of, 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 of humanness. Because I remember um, we were treated like chattel. We would treat it that no better than a horse or a cow. And so, um, and you know, it's, it's all that is part of our DNA. All of that is a part of our ancestral, you know, um, struggle. And so it's, it's, it, it happened for hundreds of years. So it's going to take that long for us to recover from um, um, these, you know, that abuse. But on the flip side, imagine how joyous we are to celebrate ourselves even in spite of that so we're not where we want to be but we're not where we were mm -hmm. so you know what i mean so it's you know i don't want to make it a sad story because it is a sad story but there is some triumph there is some there's some hope there's some glow there's some love and that's where you guys come in to to engage and to support people who want to wear their hair natural um to have events to have engagement and books and parties and, 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 and just all the things that help people to see themselves, you know, in a different way, um, um, helps like to change the next generation. Like maybe we can't do all the changing, maybe the next one will. And so it's just an, an, a platform of growth. Growth and progress. Yeah. Yes, yep. absolutely. Growth and progress. And absolutely. That, and and that, that is exactly the language that we speak because I surround myself with uh, people of color in my community who love and celebrate their natural hair. Like those are the people that shine and I see on social media. And so that gets, that gets that, that ball rolling, you know, more and more and more. And social media, as you said early on, is sort of a, an express way of, of getting the message across both all messages across. I mean, it's just right. Right. And, and also to finding your tribe, finding people with like minds, finding your network, um, engaging with them, um, you know, um, not allowing, um, you know, race, color to um, change the narrative. I mean, because, you know, it doesn't matter really what color you are. If you are pro-inclusion, um, then you're, you know, and diversity, that's it. Yep. You know, and so that that to me is really important to get people to to value. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the other benefits of Lock Talk is we have guests from all over the world, all ethnicities. And ultimately, it's all about love. It's about building your tribe, like you said, out of love and support for one another mm -hmm. and uh, sharing our stories. Yeah, and, and getting affirming people, affirming them. Yes, exactly. You know, and uh, validating them through, 
um, you know, the conversation and seeing each other, you know, visually seeing each other. We can't touch each other, but we can see each other and identify with that. And so um, that's what keeps me going. That's what keeps, um, you know, us a continual, a continuum of education. Um, and forget about what other people are not doing. My, my question to you is, what are you doing to make, to make it better? Exactly, yeah. exactly. What an inspiring session we had today, Karen. Good. I, my heart is swelling. It's just Me too. like, yeah, yeah. I always love talking to Diane. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you've inspired me so much to get on top of this uh, concept of putting a digital piece together to inform the public about Milady and natural hair, getting that onto the agenda. So thank awesome. you so much for that. Canada represent. That's going to yeah. be Yes, awesome. thank yes. you. Thank we'll you. keep you in the loop. Yes, please do. I'll be honored. Okay. Karen, is it time for a giveaway? I think it is, Brian. <laughs> Let's see, what did we talk about earlier in the show uh, that some lucky listener who was listening could and let us know? watching, because it's going to be on YouTube. You and watching. On YouTube, the premiere is happening. The first time you see this video, when it's being uh, premiered on YouTube, the first person to comment and answer the trivia question. And, and Brian, you're going to give us the trivia question. You can name the book that Diane Bailey authored all about natural hair. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a pretty easy question, isn't it? I think because we've been we've been talking a lot about it, so yeah. this is people are going to be like answering <laughs> on the fly, right? <laughs> Unfortunately, we can only give away our noggin oil products. We can't give away one of her books, but uh, <laughs> you can find her books on Amazon because that is really if you are a hairstylist, if you are interested in and learning more about natural hair. If you just want to advocate and, and, and help to spread the uh, education in your community, you absolutely need to get her book on Amazon. And you know what the book is because you just put it in the comments below in YouTube. So there you go. Great. Well, thank you so much, Diane. It's been inspiring, wonderful thank to you. talk to you. Nice seeing you. Thank you so much for having me. I, we could talk all day long. We really uh -huh, could. Absolutely. Absolutely. You guys are great. Thank you so much. And okay. one day we will see you in person. Okay. Yes, yes, we're going to do yes. a lock talk tour. We say this every episode now. So we're going to do a lock talk tour and visit all of our guests. <laughs> That's awesome. That should be like a little, uh, like a cruise or some kind of trip that you can do. Uh... I like that. I've never been on a cruise. That could be interesting. That could be interesting. That could be interesting. Well, you know, once COVID is kind of submerged. Right, right. Blessing, guys. Thank you Thanks. so much. Blessing. Love you guys. Thank Have you a good Take one. Take care. Thanks, okay, everybody, now. for joining. Thank you Thank for you. listening. All right, girl. Subscribe. Yes, and subscribe below. Thank you to everybody who's watched today. Subscribe to YouTube and Spotify and Anchor FM and Google Podcasts. We are on Instagram, lock.talk, and you can follow for our next episodes. Please share the information, share the lock talk with all of your friends in the community. You don't have to have locks. You don't, you just have to love love.
but you have to have locks at one point in your life. That's right. Because Courtney <laughs> Dredd says everyone needs to have locks once, once in, in their life. Time. Bye. See you next time. Lock Talk. Lock Talk. This episode of Lock Talk is brought to you by Noggin Oil, Mod Locks, World Hair and Skin. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time.